Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. It is a wonderful gift and it is very precious to us that in the Bible we actually hear the God of the universe speak to us and that these words are full of truth. Lord, may we treat these words this morning as your truth and as your words and may we humble ourselves before them and listen to what you have to say, the God who made everything, what you have to say to us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to deal this morning with the question, how to answer the question of, if you were to die tonight and God was to say, why should I let you into my heaven? How would you answer that question? If you were to die tonight and God was to say, why should I let you into my heaven? How would you answer that? It's a question we all face. Uh, We are all going to die one day. The, The statistic is still one to one. Every person that is born, there is one death. And we cannot be certain that we will be here even tomorrow. There is no certainty in our life and so we have to look at this question, particularly if we believe what the Bible says, that there is afterlife, there is a life after death, that there is heaven, that there is hell and we want to go to the place where there is peace. We want to go to the place where there is great joy. We want to go to paradise. We want to go to heaven. And so we need to answer this question. If you were to die tonight and God was to say, why should I let you into my heaven? How would you answer that question? Well, thankfully, God tells us how we are to answer that question and what is the right answer that he is looking for. He tells us many times in the Bible, but once he tells us with a parable, a story, which we have here in front of us in the orders of service, and it comes from the Bible where Jesus answers this question with a story. I've always liked stories. Uh, They're a good way to communicate and I've enjoyed them uh, growing up. I used to read books a lot. But these days we don't so much read stories as watch stories. We watch them on the television and we watch movies all the time. Uh, Stories are a good way to, to find out truth. And so Jesus uses a story to teach us how to answer this question. If you were to die tonight and God was to say, why should I let you into my heaven? how you would answer that. And like all stories, it has a setting uh, where uh, we see these two men going up to the temple to pray. Verse 10, it says, two men went up to the temple to pray. So we've got a setting, the temple, we've got an action. Good stories always have some action going. And so what are they doing? These men are praying. That is the action. And we've got two characters, two men. It'd be a very cheap Hollywood movie to make. Uh, because you only need to employ two actors. And there's a third, third unseen character, which isn't, isn't particularly mentioned in the text, but that's God, of course. He's the one that is listening. And they often do that in movies. They talk about people, and they're easy actors to pay, pay as well, because they don't actually have an acting part. So we've got three characters, and we're introduced to them uh, one by one, uh, except for God. The first character is the Pharisee, verse 11. It says, the Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. Who is a Pharisee? Well, a Pharisee is a religious teacher. He's kind of like me, but 2,000 years ago. Someone who teaches people about God. And so he stands up and he wants to pray to God and this is the way that he thinks he can approach God. By what he says, he thinks this gives him a ground to speak to God and that would then allow him to enter into heaven. So what does he focus on? 
Well, firstly, he focuses on what he doesn't do, the things that he doesn't do, the works that he doesn't do. And we see those in verse 11. He says, the the Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men. I'm not like other men. For example, robbers. I'm not a robber. I don't steal things. I might steal some stationery at work. I might cheat on my tax, but I don't get a crowbar out. I don't go around uh, the suburb with a mask on and a swag over my shoulder robbing people's houses. I don't do that. So I'm a good person because I don't rob. The other thing that he says is, I'm not an evildoer. I might do bad things, but I don't do evil things. I might hate people in my heart, you know, despise them and dislike them, not show love to them, but I don't murder them. I don't pick up a gun. I don't pick up the hammer or the candlestick, you know, and whack them over the head. No, I'm not an evildoer. I might do some bad things, but I'm not an evildoer. And I'm not an adulterer. I may take lustful looks at members of the opposite sex. I may, if he was to live today, he may get on the internet and look at pornography. But he doesn't commit adultery. He's a good person. He has lustful thoughts, but he doesn't actually go through with those thoughts that he is having. So he focuses on what he doesn't do, firstly. And then he says, so I don't do those bad things and if I do some bad things, I do some good things to make up for that. Such as, verse 12, I fast twice a week. I'm a good person. I go without food to show God how much I love him. And I do it not just once a week, I do it twice a week. I'm a very good person because I fast. And then the other thing that I do, verse 12, I give a tenth of all I get. I donate to the cause of the temple and to the poor. I give 10% all the time. It doesn't matter if I make a lot of money and could really give more than 10%. I make sure I do what the law says and I give 10%. And so I'm such a good person. I might do some bad things, but here I give 10%. So that makes up for those bad things that I do. So that's the first person, the Pharisee. He's our first character in the story. Who's the second character? Well, he's the tax collector. We see him in verse 13. But the tax collector stood at a distance. Now, what's a tax collector? Is he someone who works for the ATO, the Australian Tax Office? Well, that would be a modern version of a tax collector, but he's a bit different, this one, from the tax collectors that we have today. Tax collectors in Jesus' time were terrible people. They were the scum of society. Now, you may think that about the ATO, but uh, the the tax tax collectors today are much better than the tax collectors in Jesus' day. Tax collectors in Jesus' day, firstly, they were Jews who were then collecting tax for the Roman conquering power. And the Jews hated the Romans above all else. They really didn't like the fact that they were subject to Roman rule. And so they hated paying tax to the conquerors. And so these tax collectors were Jews who were basically traitors. They were collecting tax for the enemy. And so they were scum. They were traitors. And the other thing that they did was the way they made their money was by charging you more tax than you needed to pay. So the government would say, the Roman government would say, this is how much everyone owes, and then they would come along, and the way they got paid was by charging extra. And so they would 
charge you more tax than you had to pay. And I mean, most of us, we don't like paying tax to begin with, let alone paying more tax than is actually needed for us to pay. And so these men were thieves. They were saying, with the Roman soldier support behind them, you must pay this amount, when really you didn't need to pay that amount. It was a much lower amount. And they were just keeping the, 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 the cream off the top for themselves. So they were thieves and they were traitors. They were scum in society. They were the worst of criminals in the Jewish person's eye. And so what does he do? He comes to pray as well. But rather than speaking about what he doesn't do and what he does do, he does something very different. What does he do? Well, he humbles himself before God. He, we know he humbles himself by the way he acts. Three things he does. What does he do? The tax collector stood at a distance. He knows he's not worthy to approach God. He is a sinner and he should stand at a distance from God. He shouldn't be in God's presence. He needs to be at a distance from God. The other thing, what does he do? He would not even look up into heaven. So he stands at a distance and doesn't even look. He's, he's away from God physically, but he's also keeping his eyes down, showing respect, showing that he is not worthy to look up to God because he is such a sinner. And the other thing he does is he beats his breast and, and then prays. He, he hits himself. Now, we don't so much beat our, our chest today. might slap our forehead when we, when we remember something we've, we should have done or we're grieved about something. I do remember in high school, I, um, uh, I was a year 7 kid and there was this year 12 kid over in the playground and his girlfriend had just broken up with him. And she was standing there with her, girl, her girlfriends and they were sort of talking away. And he was standing a bit further down near a brick wall and he was going, boof, boof with his head against the brick wall, I think to show his grief about what had happened. And she, she was sort of looking over at him with sideways glances as though, what an idiot, and then keep on talking with her friend. But he was trying to show by physically hitting himself how much he was upset about the fact that they had broken up. And so it is something that we do from time to time when we're really upset about something. We hit ourselves. We go, why did I do that? I am a terrible person for doing that. And so that's what he's doing to show humility to God. But then he doesn't just do things, he actually speaks. And what does he say? He says, verse 13, last sentence, God have mercy on me, a sinner. He comes to God and begs for mercy. He knows he has done the wrong thing. He says, I am a sinner. I need your help, God. The only way I can get into heaven, the only way I can be right with you is if you show me mercy. I am a terrible person and I need your help. And so, which of these two, these two characters in this little story, goes home right before God? Which person is right before God? Is it the good man who doesn't do all the bad things and he does do some good things as well? Or is it the terrible person, the traitor, the thief? Is he the one that goes right with God, goes home right with God? Jesus says, God says, verse 14, I tell you that this man, the tax collector, this one, rather than the other, went home justified before God. That word justified is a legal term saying that someone is right, in the right. So when you go to court and the judge says, 
you are innocent, he is justifying your actions, that you are okay, you haven't done anything wrong, you are right with the judge and with the state. And this man, the tax collector, he goes home right before God. He is justified. God is saying, it's okay, you can enter into my heaven. It's interesting that he doesn't say, okay, you've humbled yourself, I like that. You've admitted you're a sinner, you're a bad person, you've pled guilty, that's a good thing. We can enter into some sort of plea bargain here now. Maybe if you start fasting, maybe if you get baptised, maybe if you start attending church, maybe if you start taking Holy Communion every week, maybe if you start reading your Bible, read it once a year and pray every day, then you will be justified before God, then you will be right with me. No, he goes home justified that day because he humbled himself before God and begged for mercy. And the same still applies for us today. We can find mercy from God in this life. And when we are faced with that question of, if you were to die tonight, and God was to ask you, how, why should I let you into my heaven? We can answer that question as the Pharisee did, or as the tax collector did. And God says that if you answer as the tax collector did, then you will be okay. You will be justified with God. Thankfully, mercy can be found. That the tax collector isn't just saying, God have mercy on me, and God says, there's no mercy. Mercy can be found, and it's because of Jesus Christ. That's what we're celebrating today with the Nativity Play Ladder, is that Jesus came into the world, but he didn't come in just to be a cute baby in a manger. I like cute babies. I have one of my own. And I do think that he is the cutest that I have witnessed in my lifetime. I like cute babies, but Jesus didn't come into the world to be a cute baby. He came into the world to die for sin so that he would experience the punishment of sinners on the cross, the pain that they should experience, the hell that they should experience. At the cross there was this great exchange taking place as our sins went over to Jesus' account and his righteous behaviour, all the good things he did, was transferred to us. If we come before God and ask him for mercy, if we humble ourselves and say, it's not about me, it's about what has been done in the Lord Jesus Christ. I can't help myself. I am a sinner and I need you to help me, O oh God. So how would you answer that question? If you were to die tonight and God was to say, why should I let you into my heaven? Would it be because I haven't been such a bad person? I've done some pretty good things. Or would it be because you could say to God, I trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. I begged for mercy. I admitted I was a sinner and Jesus died for me on the cross. If that is your answer, you will go into paradise to spend an eternity with God in heaven. I pray that all of us here this morning have said this prayer to God. God have mercy on me, a sinner. So we are all going home today justified before God. Let us speak with him now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this part of your word that is so clear about who is right before you. Lord, we pray that we may continue to beg you for mercy for our sins, that we may not be so proud as to think that we are okay
that we are good people. Lord, open our eyes to see how bad we actually are so that we commit ourselves to your hands and beg for mercy. Lord, if anyone here this morning has never humbled themselves before you, has not begged for mercy, has not admitted that they are a sinner, Lord, help them to consider what they are doing, that tonight their very life could be demanded from them and they would have to answer to you and why you should let them into heaven. Lord, we pray that everyone may take the opportunity to find mercy while it may still be found and humble themselves before you and beg for mercy on them as sinners. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.